By the power of your spirit, O oh God, startle us with your word and awaken us to your truth. For Jesus' sake, amen. Today we will read the story of how the Apostle Paul was called to preach the gospel, probably the most dramatic conversion or call story ever told. Now somewhere on that long walk, and if you looked in Lace's Bible and figured it out, you'd see from, it's about 140 miles from Jerusalem to Damascus. Somewhere on that long walk, a man named Saul, the most ardent enemy of the church, had a life-changing, transformative experience. So listen now for God's word for us in the first 20 verses of the ninth chapter of Acts. Meanwhile, Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogue at Damascus so that if he found any who belonged to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, as he was going along and approaching Damascus, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He asked, who, who are you, Lord? The reply came, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless because they heard the voice but saw no one. Saul got up from the ground and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. For three days he was without sight and neither ate nor drank. Now, there was a disciple in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, he answered, Here I am, Lord. The Lord said to him, Get up and go to the street called Straight, and at the house of Judas look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. At this moment he is praying, and he has seen in a vision that a man named Ananias come in, he's seen a man come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much evil he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is an instrument whom I have chosen to bring my name before Gentiles and kings and before the people of Israel. I myself will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias went and entered the house. He laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on your way here has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and his sight was restored. Then he got up and was baptized. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. For several days, he was with the disciples in Damascus. 
And immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Oh Lord, may our thoughts and may my words be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. What the Apostle Paul accomplished in his lifetime was amazing. It was remarkable. Well, let me borrow from a good Baptist preacher and writer, Cecil Sherman, to list a few of Paul's accomplishments. Well, for one thing, you know he wrote about half the New Testament with all those letters, mostly to churches that he had started. In addition to all those pastoral care letters expressed in uh, most of these letters, he saw... He also saw the need to prepare the next generation of Christian leadership and his first and second Timothy and Titus addressed that great need, almost a manual. He also wrote out and organized the ideas of the Christian faith. If theology is organized thinking about God, Paul's book of Romans is the first Christian theology. Also, he was, the, he was the original missionary spreading the gospel across the Roman Empire. Dr. Sherman described Paul as relentless, tough, smart, pastoral, demanding. And although he was whipped and jailed and shipwrecked and abused, he never gave up. Well, you can look at the dramatic 20 verses we read from Acts 9 as, as a description of it's a description really of four appearances. Jesus appears to Saul. God appears to Ananias. Ananias appears to Saul. And then in the last verse or so, Saul appears in the synagogues. Well, first, when Jesus appears to Saul, you remember back in the seventh chapter of Acts, Luke had told about that first disciple of Jesus to be martyred. Luke says that when they dragged Stephen out of the city and began to stone him, the witnesses laid their coats at, a, at the feet of a young man named Saul. So here and two here two chapters later, we, we hear Saul is still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. So he goes and gets these, uh, what amount to warrants, of papers that allow him to bind people in Damascus and bring them back people who belonged to the way, which is what the church was called originally. In those days, being a Christian wasn't just a little controversial, it was dangerous. Paul's long walk from Jerusalem to Damascus gets interrupted. He's going along, approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven around him. He falls to the ground, he hears that voice saying, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Stunned and blinded, he gets up and is led by the hand into Damascus where he eats and drinks nothing for three days. So after Jesus appeared to Saul on the Damascus road, God, God appears to Ananias, gives him directions, tells him, get up and go to the street called Straight, house of Judas. It's a man of Tarsus named Saul. 
Well, you know, Ananias is a, he's a reasonable, rational person. He says, oh, Lord, wait a minute. Go, go, go where? See who? Who, me? Well, actually, he quotes him as saying, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done for your saints in Jerusalem. And here he is, he's got authority from the chief priest to bind all who invoke your name. He's got a sensible objection, doesn't he? But God says, go for he is an instrument I have chosen to bring my name before the Gentiles. So then Ananias appears to Saul. He goes to that house on Straight Street. He goes in, laid his hands on Saul and said, Brother Saul, brother. The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on your way here, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately he gets his vision back. He gets up, gets baptized, eats something, and regains his strength. And then Saul appears in the synagogue. Well, first he hung out with the disciples for a few days, and then immediately he began to proclaim, proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever heard a conversion story like Paul's, you know, with the blinding light, the voice of Jesus, sudden onset of blindness, and just as suddenly cured three days later? Well, no, me neither. All my life I've heard people testify about their faith journey. Many, many of them have said that their conversion was nothing at all like Paul's Damascus Road experience. Quite a few have described what mean, selfish, ornery, sinful people they were before their conversion. And most, not all, most have been kind of humble about how imperfect they still are. But no one I know and no one I've ever heard speak or, or met or not a one has ever claimed to have anything close to a Damascus Road experience. It's hard to imagine even how startled, how stunned, how dumbfounded old Saul must have been as he's going along, maybe think about all the Christians he'd caught in his travels before and what damage he was going to do in Damascus to the church. You know, he must have been sure he had all the right answers when all of a sudden a blinding light a voice and a stunning question. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Well, some of the features of Saul's Damascus Road encounter are seen in other divine experiences and appearances and commissions. The light, for example, the falling to the ground, what's called the double vocative, that is calling him twice. Saul, Saul, or just for example, in Genesis 22, we can read about how Abraham was just about to sacrifice his son as he had been told to, and the angel calls that Abraham, Abraham. Or in, later on in Genesis, we read that God spoke in a vision saying, Jacob, Jacob. And of course, Exodus tells us about how from the burning bush, God said, Moses, Moses. 
And then later on, yet another prophet was called when God called Samuel, Samuel. Well, the other person the Lord spoke to in our reading from Acts was Ananias. Which, by the way, means Jehovah is full of grace. Well, just as Abraham and Jacob and Moses and Samuel had done, Ananias responded, Here I am, Lord. So Paul's Damascus Road experience, it was dramatic, it was life-changing. But if you think about it, perhaps the most remarkable human character in the whole story here was not Paul, not Saul, but Ananias. I've said I've heard many testimonies and call stories, but never one like Paul's. But I've heard a whole bunch that were a lot like Ananias, at least in this respect, resistance. When I was serving for six years on our Presbyterian Committee on Preparation for Ministry, I heard many, many seminary graduates talk about how they never wanted to go to seminary. They never wanted to go be a pastor. And yet God's call was irresistible. Unlike Paul, their conversion, their call, it wasn't sudden, it wasn't dramatic. It wasn't something they were immediately sure of. More of their stories were like that. Well, some of them were like that grouchy Old Testament prophet. You remember Jonah? Commissioned to go to Nineveh and goes the other way instead until God convinced him that running away was really not an option. So what can we learn from this unique, dramatic story? Well, we can learn to be more like Ananias than like Saul. The uh, writer Flannery O'Connor once said of Paul, I reckon, I reckon the Lord knew the only way to make Christian out of that one was to knock him off his horse. Well, Actually, if you read back through that chapter in Luke, Luke doesn't say anything about horses, does he? And what I've read is that it, he was walking because having horses and being able to feed them, that took a lot of money. He didn't have the money to do that. In fact, he was probably walking with these people that were the temple police, and because he was a Pharisee and they were at a lower class, he wouldn't be talking to them. He was kind of on a lonesome walk by himself. Well... Nonetheless, I know you've seen those uh, paintings, Michelangelo and Caravaggio and there are others that show Paul knocked off on the horse. Well, he was knocked down for sure, one way or another. So O'Connor has a point. So don't be out of touch, so out of touch with God it takes blindness to get your attention. Another thing we can learn is be, to be more like Ananias then say Jonah God gave both of them tasks that they saw as distasteful, difficult, dangerous and they were Jonah tried to run away but Ananias' response was to accept God's assignment to submit to that commission we just think about how different would history would be how different would the church be if Ananias had not submitted to the will of God Think about how important one person can be to changing someone else's life for the good. Because you see, you and I, we're also called by God. Sometimes it is to do things that are distasteful, difficult, dangerous. How will we respond? 
Ananias was not naive. He didn't gloss over the danger of his call. He didn't run from it. He followed the lead of the one he trusted in, Almighty God. So may you and I have the faith and the courage to do the same. Thanks be to God. May God who knows us and loves us, who calls us and saves us, bless us with vision to see, faith to believe, and courage to act. Now and forevermore, glory be to God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit.